From Beacon Point Advisors, I'm Michael Dow. This is Markets in Motion, a regular update on the economy and investing. Today on the podcast, we'll talk about the remaining areas of election uncertainty and whether the extraordinary performance of the stock market can continue. It's Wednesday, December 9th, 2020. This is Markets in Motion. We'll start with a review of how we've been looking at markets for the last um, nine months now since the pandemic lockdown changed our world forever back in February, March, and that is through the uh, framework of the three P's. And the P's are the pandemic, uh, policy, and prices. Specifically, what are the developments related to treatments and a vaccine on the pandemic? What kind of uh, monetary and fiscal policy can we expect? And in terms of prices, what are valuations in the equity market telling us? We can exclude, for to a certain degree, monetary policy. That's pretty much on hold and autopilot for the next two to three years. The Fed's not going to raise rates. So when we think about policy going forward, it's really fiscal policy. And the fiscal policy dynamics are directly related to the form of the government. So we're going to address some of the uncertainties that remain in the national election, specifically who controls the Senate. As it stands right now, the Democrats have 48 seats in the Senate, and the Republicans have 50, but there's two outstanding races. Those are the Georgia special election and the Georgia runoff. Who's going to win either one of those elections won't be determined until January 5th. If the Democrats win both, which is not likely, then we will have a blue sweep, effectively, with Joe Biden in the White House. He will be inaugurated on January 20th. Uh, a Senate that has flipped from Republican to Democrat, and a House that remains in Democratic control, even though with a diminished majority, having uh, the Democrats having lost about 12 seats. The good news is the market uh, seems to have taken that very well. Divided government has always been the best of all possible worlds for the equity markets, and that was proven post-election. The month of November was the best month in the S&P 500 forever. Uh, it's been extraordinary. And not only has the, um, the size of the, the, the rise and the level of the S&P been absolutely unprecedented, but the rotation out of large-cap growth stocks into some of the lagging uh, sub-indices, which would include large-cap value, uh, small caps, and even international stocks, which all outperformed the S&P in November, has, uh, has indicated that there's a potential rotation underway from large-cap growth into the areas that have not done as well since the uh, pandemic lockdown in uh, March. So just digging in a little bit into the election and what, what remains outstanding. Uh, yesterday, December 8th, was the safe harbor day for the electors uh, to be selected by the state um, the head of the state cam uh, canvassing or campaign and election boards in each state. This is done state by state. There's no national vote, obviously. We're all on the electoral college system. And the way it works is, uh, on December 8th, any issues related to the canvas, that is, the, uh, the after count and the election overtime that we found ourselves in, any lawsuits, any um, uh, disputes related to who won the popular vote in each individual state needs to be addressed and, and sorted by uh, December 8th in this election cycle, and that was yesterday. So right now, the avenues for changing the results of the presidential election are narrowing dramatically. They were not very wide to begin with, but there was an attempt, and there will be continuing attempts made, I think, between now and right up to potentially the, the actual inauguration on January 20th to try and uh, potentially reverse some of the battleground states. So you had 
you know, Georgia, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, all states that, that Joe Biden won by very, very narrow margins, where you, you could see continued litigation, but it's not likely to, to go anywhere. Ultimately, the uh, president-elect, Joe Biden, who isn't actually officially the president-elect yet, he won't be officially the president-elect until January 6th, when the electoral college votes are read out in a joint session of Congress by the uh, head of the Senate, which in this case is the vice president, uh, Mike Pence. Once that's done, then you have a, officially a president-elect. Uh, by convention, though, Biden, who has appeared to win all uh, the necessary 270-plus electoral college votes, is being called the president-elect. But again, it's not official until Jan 6th. Uh, by the way, Arizona was the, actually the narrowest state uh, for a Biden victory at 31 basis points. So what uh, what can we expect now? So the president-elect Biden will be sworn in on Jan 20. We're going to get a probably a Republican-controlled Senate, but only by two seats and a Democratic-controlled Congress. So what was really, I think, the market embraced prior to the results of the election was the potential for a blue sweep to uh, generate a significant fiscal stimulus plan. So the equity market responded positively. A larger fiscal stimulus equals better economic activity, fewer evictions, fewer bankruptcies in small businesses, more assistance to consumers, um, et cetera, better, better economic outcomes. And that is good for the stock market. So the stock market embraced that possibility of a blue sweep and a bigger fiscal stimulus package. That didn't, re in, the, uh, in the event, that didn't happen. So what is it about a, a potential for a divided government that makes um, the equity market so gleeful? And the answer is um, the potential for limited or no material increases in taxes. Increases in both corporate and household taxes would be viewed negatively by the stock market because they're typically growth reducing. Uh, not in all cases, but in, in most cases, the best way to uh, balance the budget, which is a topic for another podcast for sure, uh, is, is to reduce expenditures as opposed to raise taxes to raise revenue. Because reducing expenditures, while it, there's a direct hit to the economy, it's not a long-lasting hit. It's a one-time thing, whereas increasing taxes has a tendency to, to put a drag on economic growth for longer periods of time. That's just what the, the academic literature says, both here in the United States and, and, and internationally. So if we don't have to uh, worry about higher taxes because there's not the political um, will if or numbers, frankly, in the Senate to pass a tax uh, hike on typically the, the top uh, five percent and most of the most of the Biden tax plan, the increases would have fallen on the top one percent. Um, it doesn't look like it's it's going to get done. It will be passed in the House, but it won't get past the Senate. And the stock market has responded incredibly uh, positively to those developments. In fact, I was just looking at kind of the returns for the month of November, and they've extended now into December. But with the S&P up 11, almost 11 percent in November, you had the uh, Russell 1000 growth, which had been leading the markets up uh, just on just over 10 percent. So kind of lagging the overall market, the Russell 1000 value index, which has been uh, an incredible laggard in the post-COVID lockdown world. That is, most of the value stocks don't include things like technology and consumer discretionary and, and uh, communication services. All of the things that are part of the, um, the work-from-home trade 
and other um, developments in the post-COVID world that favored the industries that, and, this, and the sectors of the economy that find themselves primarily in growth, not in value. But uh, those laggards now have become leaders, at least in the last six weeks, as the Russell 1000 value is outperforming growth, the Russell 2000 is outperforming large caps by a large measure, but they've underperformed significantly beforehand. And even MSCI EFA, or international stocks in developed markets, uh, outperforming the U.S. for the first time in a long time. So you are seeing a bit of a rotation, and that's the best news for 2021 for continued equity market growth, is the potential for a rotation from the sectors and the uh, uh, and the factors in the markets, that is the large cap growth, into large cap value, small cap, international stocks, particularly we favor a beacon point emerging market equities at this stage of the cycle. Um, you can see continued economic expansion and economic growth uh, particularly with—and I haven't even mentioned the, the positive effects of the vaccine, which is, if not the proximate cause of—the uh, election had some effect, but let's be clear. All of the things that we're talking about here in the November results are a function of the fact that Pfizer and BioNTech and Regeneron and others have produced um, massive results and progress in developing vaccines. Getting them into people's arms is a logistical challenge that will be faced in the first quarter. Although, as of yesterday, December 8th, the first person in the UK, uh, a very, an elderly woman, was actually given the first uh, vaccine available in a developed in a, ever. And that has, that was announced, it was just announced six weeks ago that it was, it passed phase three, was efficacious, that it was 90 plus percent efficient and safe. So now in the UK, people are starting to get the vaccine. We'll start vaccinating people here in the US before the end of the year, but it's going to take until March, April, May, until you can get the vaccines distributed. And it'll be June, July, August until we're kind of back to normal. So you get enough people to produce herd immunity. But the bottom line is it's the, the announcement of the vaccine, the fact that they're actually vaccinating in the U.K., and the uncertainty of the election being uh, greatly diminished, if not totally removed. Uh, at least there's, a, there's light at the end of the tunnel for both COVID-19-related um, uh, lockdown and, and economic and lifestyle and, and human issues. There's light at the end of the tunnel for, for the, from the pandemic. And there's um, light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the uncertainty related to the election being removed. So all of that has contributed to this massive November we had, uh, and that has continued into December. The only question is, where do we go from here? You know, in our view, clearly, um, equity markets have run a long way very quickly and are pricing in a lot of really good news. It's not to say that you couldn't see higher equity levels. It's just that there's likely to be a reshuffling and a rotation from, again, large-cap growth into some of these other areas that have, have not done as well to date. Unfortunately, there's probably reason to believe that there's more um, evidence to, um, to, to argue for um, equity market reversal today than otherwise. Now, you still have all of the liquidity that's been provided by the Federal Reserve. You've got a fiscal stimulus plan that's coming, just don't know how big it is. So those are positives, and rotation into the laggards is also a positive. But 
you could get greater than expected COVID lockdowns. The number of, of cases of the pandemic and the number of hospitalizations is off the charts. They're shutting down places like California, uh, and, and it, it, that's just the very beginning. It's likely that we're going to see some kind of economic impact from the rise of COVID cases and, most importantly, hospitalizations and ICU bed utilization that's, uh, that's getting a little bit scary right now in many parts of the country. So you could also see a disappointing fiscal stimulus announcement. We were talking $900 billion or so, but anything can happen. It's politics. So who knows whether we'll get one between now and the end of the week, which is the end of the, the budget year. The continuing resolution expires on December 11th. Or you could, uh, you could get something after the inauguration. That would be bad, I, I think. You need to get something done sooner rather than later because people are hurting, and there's a lot of things that expire on December 31st that could be addressed with a stimulus bill, even if it wasn't the, the, the size of a stimulus package that the Democrats want. Um, uh, and the Republicans are fighting against certain elements of the stimulus package, in particular support for state and local governments, which, if we actually got it, would be another bit of good news for the municipal bond market, which has done very well, particularly the high-yield muni market in November, along with all other risk assets. But it would be nice to, to put some of the uncertainty around whether or not um, uh, the, the municipal bond market will get supported by, the, by uh, some measure of the fiscal stimulus through a state and local government grant. And finally, if we're talking about risks to the equity market going higher, you have to consider the logistical challenges faced by vaccine distribution. Um, people are reacting to it, both you know, logically and perhaps less so, that the vaccine isn't, um, doesn't have a long track record, so public acceptance remains a question mark. Just getting the vaccine out there, especially the ones that require significant refrigeration at very, very, very low levels, is, is a challenge. It's a, it's a logistical challenge. So it's not a done deal. We've they've come a long way. There's a lot of really great news about the vaccine uh, developments. But until you actually jab the vaccine into people's arms, then you're not going to get the, the benefits in terms of um, reduced uh, uncertainty, uh, reduced economic activity related to lockdowns and things of that nature. Bottom line, we think the outlook is um, is more uncertain now than it was even six months ago when things were um, seemed uncertain, but you knew that you were going to get some support from the federal government. And that has worked out. The recovery in the economic uh, sphere and, and in the markets has been ab absolutely extraordinary and dramatic, and it's all due to the Federal Reserve and to, uh, and to the fiscal stimulus that has been brought to bear. The uncertainty related to the election is over. The uncertainty related to the distribution of the vaccine uh, is in front of us, but the announcements related to the vaccine have been met very positively by, uh, by the equity market. Bottom line, there's a lot of good news priced into this market, which leaves it vulnerable to, uh, to any disappointments in the near term. But ultimately, economic growth and activity will be better in 2021 than it was in 2020. Interest rates are going to remain low, and that will continue to provide challenges to savers. Other opportunities are out there for, for income in the context of a balanced portfolio. And that's it for Beacon Points Markets in Motion. We'll be back soon with another of our regular updates on markets and investing. I'm Michael Dow, Beacon Point Chief Investment Officer. Thanks for listening.